It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And a happy Monday to one and all. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grossa joined, as always, by my pal, he's former Jets linebacker, Bart Scott. Bart, what's going on, my friend? How's things? Maintaining, maintaining, man. You know, I wish we would have had a victory Monday, but, you know, it wasn't in our cars to see how we can grow from that. No doubt about it. Jets, unfortunately, unable to build off last week's win against Houston. Still looking for back-to-back wins for the first time all year. Came up short yesterday against the Philadelphia Eagles, 33-18. to And really no way to sugarcoat this one, Bart. I mean, it was a tough day for the defense. I mean, Philadelphia scored on, what, their first seven possessions, first three touchdowns, the last four were field goals. Really had a hard time getting off the field yesterday. Yeah, and I knew that Gardner Minshew would cause a different problem, different issue for them than that of Jalen Hurts. He's not the runner, but he's a guy that can kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick that can catch fire. He plays a lot of swag and he doesn't turn the ball over at all as he was clean 25, 20 for 25 for four for 242, no turnovers. But the, the issue was now they were able to get that run productivity from Miles Sanders who went over 100 yards. I think the first time Philadelphia had a 100-yard rushing in like the last four seasons. You know, that yeah. never both well, and, you know, the third quarter was particularly uh, discouraging. The fact that the Jets only had possession of the football for uh, probably uh, approximately 70 seconds. You know, you can't win football games like that. You know, still trying to figure out who's going to be the kicker for this team as, you know, you, you feel sorry for the kid. But, you know, the reality of it is, you know, that really puts you behind the eight ball when you feel like you can't you're not confident enough to get extra points, not field goals, extra points. And, you know, you, you like what the offense did coming out, but you wish they could have kept that momentum for the second half of the se- uh, of the game as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, from Philadelphia's standpoint, maybe it's a good thing they've got a bye week coming up because, I don't know, if I'm the coaches, I'm talking this one over a little bit. I never saw that offense play as well as it did yesterday when Jalen Hurts was in there. Maybe that's a conversation they have to have about who their quarterback should be moving forward, but another story for another time. You're right about the Jets offense, though. And, you know, that's probably the best we've seen them in the first half under Zach Wilson's leadership, right? Because it had always been a tale of two halves, but it would be slow starts in half number one. Then they'd come out after halftime, look a little bit more comfortable, move the football. Yesterday, I mean, touchdowns on the first three drives, but a little bit of a buzzkill because, as you said, Alex Kessman missed the first two extra points. Then they went for a two-point conversion after the third TD and he couldn't get it. It's just unfortunate because you're then chasing those points the rest of the game, but when you throw in the fact that Philadelphia just kept scoring points all afternoon long, that put him behind the eight ball, and I think you hit it right on the head. That third quarter was tough to overcome. You're not going to make much headway when you only have the football for three plays. Yeah, and that's the discouraging part. This, that's just, this used to be the strength of this football team. The first four games, the first half of the season, the defense played at a high level was able to shut down King Henry, who's still second in the league in rushing, and he hasn't even played in a month. And, you know, you know what they were able to do to the to the Cincinnati Bengals and how they were able to shut him down, Joe Mixon and, and Burrell and, and, and Jamar Chase. And then, you know, it's just the inconsistency, 
right? The inconsistency in the big plays and giving up big plays, big runs. And once again, that ugly screen comes back to bite them and haunt them. And it's not a running back screen, but it's tight end screens. I understand that teams, until you fix something, you're going to get heavy doses of it. And it's not going to be what you what you didn't pick up last week. It's going to be some concept or some version of a new tweak to it so you don't see it coming. Yeah, and you know, when you look at it as well, the defense, which really did a nice job of getting after the Texans the week before, right? They had five sacks. They were really disruptive. Not much in terms of pass rush yesterday. Now, granted, Philadelphia's got one of the better offensive lines in the National Football League, but you saw some of those matchup problems. You know, Dallas Goddard was a big mismatch problem for them. They had some problems with the tight end there yesterday. He had himself a big afternoon. And as you said, if you're not getting to the quarterback, I don't care who the quarterback is, he's got enough time to sit back there and pick you apart. In this day and age, Chances are that might happen. Well, you heard Obrick talking about this is an opportunity to exercise some ghosts, right? Because they went against a tough outfit in the um, Patriots. They went against a tough outfit in the Colts. And, yep. you know, this opportunity for them to kind of come back and prove that they had made the adjustments. And it just lets them know that it's a slice of humble pie. Let them know that they're a little bit farther behind what they think they are. Um, because they're feeling good about themselves going against the Texans. This was one of the best outfits in the league. You talk about Franklin Myers and what he was the week before with uh, two sacks and interception. Well, that was Lane Bryan over there, uh, Lane Johnson over there, uh, probably one of the top two or three right tackles in the game, and it was going to be tough sledding. That's what you want to see. You want to see when you go against the best, how do you measure up? It just lets Franklin Myers know that he has a lot of growing yet still to do. No doubt about that. But, you know, back to the offense here for a second. And Zach Wilson, second game back from his knee injury. And I thought that, you know, from start to finish, he probably looked most in control all afternoon than maybe we've seen him all season. You know, you didn't have any of those off-schedule plays, any of the hero plays maybe that we saw yeah. against Tennessee, which were great. But just playing within the flow of the offense, I think he looked a little more comfortable than we're used to seeing him. And I think that's a good sign with five games left. They looked in rhythm, right? He looked like he knew where to go with the football. He threw the ball with touch, right? We talked about him, you know, putting 95 miles an hour on the fastball when, you know, the, the running back's running two, three yards away from him. Understanding how he has to give his playmakers an opportunity to, you know, have friendly catches to get the yak. Uh, it was good to see that him and Elijah Moore was able to kind of connect. That's something that we hadn't saw. And once again, Elijah Moore with another touchdown reception. Jameis Crowder, you know, showed up. But I felt a little bit disappointed because I feel like they continue to tease me with the running game, the inconsistency yep. and also the the lack of commitment to the run game. As you look, they only had, you know, 14, you know, legitimate rushes of the football. The others were with Zach Wilson three. So, you know, that's not a heavy dose. And that, you know, Zach Wilson shouldn't be throwing the ball at this time in his career 38 times. That's not a recipe for success. And understanding that they weren't even on the field in the third quarter. So you talk about those are 38 pass attempts in basically three quarters. That's that's way too many because you would say if he had another 10 in the second quarter in the third quarter, that's like 38 to 40 passes. You that's never a recipe for success. I don't care how veteran or how dynamic the quarterback is. You want to be able to control the tempo, allow your defense to have opportunities to rest. You know, that defense was on the football field far too long in the third quarter. No, you're absolutely right about that. It's a great point you make, too, about the pass attempts, and really you just eliminate the third quarter. But, you know, pretty much when he got into quarter four when they had the ball, trying to make that comeback from two scores down, it was a lot of throw pretty much uh, when it came to the offense here. But I thought that, you know, when he was given the opportunity, I thought Tevin Coleman ran the ball 
pretty aggressive, showed some nice legs again. And remember, he had a real good game against the Houston Texans. So this is two good games back-to-back for Tevin Coleman. And with Michael Carter still on the shelf here, maybe he continues to get more of a workload, the veteran, who's, I thought, done some nice things here in the past couple of games. We'll see if they remain more committed to that run, starting with the Saints on Sunday. Well, you have to you have to see, okay, well, what is this team going forward? Because if Tevin Coleman, who's a veteran guy, who's a, you know, uh, not a high price guy because you look at the, the salary cap going up to 208. Now that your TV money's kicking in, you know, four or $5 million isn't what it used to be this year or the year before. But I also would like to get an opportunity to see what Ty Johnson is and see what uh, P Ryan is as well. Right. Because I want young horses, right. Tevin Coleman is a good veteran running back, but you know, his better days are behind him. I would like to see if P Ryan is a, is a player. I would like to see Ty Johnson. I want to see a little bit more of, Austin Walter, we're getting to that point where we want to see what we have. We know what we have in Tevin Coleman. We know what he's capable of. Uh, we, we kind of understand that. Uh, you want to see a little bit more Braxton Berrios. His guys are about to be coming up on contracts. Seemingly, Jamison Crowder won't be here, right, because you think about Berrios, you think about Elijah Moore in the slot. You know, so you, you want to know what some of these young guys can do if you put them in um, – harsh environments to see if they can either become big or, or come up small, but you want them to get that experience and give them an opportunity to prove that when the lights are big and they're dependent on if they can be reliable. Dan Gross and Bart Scott with you here on Inside the Jets. We're brought to you by Selective Insurance, Be Uniquely Insured. And for those that didn't hear the news earlier today, you mentioned the wide receivers on offense. Corey Davis, who was back in the lineup yesterday after missing some time with a groin, he suffered an injury in the second half of that game on a sideline play there. And Coach Sala said this afternoon, Bart, that Corey Davis is going to be lost for the rest of the season. He's got a core muscle injury. So the veteran who had a couple of starts and stops to this season, you know, had a couple good catches in that game yesterday you were looking for him to maybe finish strong here over the final five weeks unfortunately for him he's not going to be able to go which means more of an opportunity for some of the young guys that you just mentioned the Berrioses, the moors maybe even a denzel mims to get some opportunities right yeah that's exactly what it's all about it's about evaluating your talent right you have to understand you're trying to win the war you're not trying to win this individual battle you're trying to be able to make sure that you can put the right team on the field next year I'm not saying that you give up on this year, but this becomes a different you know, point of emphasis about being able to try and evaluate what you do have. And those who, like they would say, those who stay will be champions. And unfortunately, you're going to have 35 percent turnover to a roster every year. And you have to decide who's going to be that 35 percent that goes and who's going to be, you know, the 65 percent of the players that stay. Well, you know, now that we know that Corey Davis's season is over with here, and remember, he was brought in here as the veteran to kind of work with some of these youngsters in the receiving core. Of course, Crowder's a veteran, you know, here. But, you know, this is a guy who was a number the fifth overall pick in the draft of the Tennessee Titans once upon a time, kind of wanted a restart on his career. How would you evaluate his first season in green? Well, I would say incomplete, right? Because, you know, it's, you know, by the time they figured it out and you know, went through the hot streak with White and, and Flacco, he wasn't there for a lot of that because of the injuries. And, um, you know, he has to figure out how to get his body right, how to be able to be available because the, the best ability is availability, and he hasn't been able to be available. So, you know, you and you also want the invaluable non-communication um, between him and Zach Wilson, seeing formations the same way, understanding where to break off routes, understanding where you're hot. Understand when you're, you're, you're going and you're saying, do you sit in the zone because you see it's a zone or you continue going because it's man to man. 
those are all things that come with experience. You can you can do them in practice, but it's much better when it's in the game when you don't know what the coverage is, you don't know the personnel. And that's invaluable experience and time and timing and where he likes his ball on out routes when he's going to his right, where he likes the ball when he's going to his left. Yeah, when he sees like when you want to throw the ball high for him, where you want to protect him from himself because you see something he can't see. So you're throwing him, you know, on the backside to make him spin around to throw him away from trouble and going to other zones. That's all the type of things that when you talk about, you know, players having that nonverbal communication and being able to play at a high level, we see it a lot of times with Grunk and Brady. They just kind of know. Right, he just yep. kind of knows the ball's coming to him. Kind of knows where Brady's going to put the ball. He knows where the where how the way the ball is thrown. What Brady sees when he can see everything, and Grunt can only see what area he's in. That's how all the special uh, receiver and quarterback you know relationships go, and you hope that this is the start of one of them. No doubt about that here. And, you know, the start of a career looks pretty promising for one Elijah Moore here because a touchdown yesterday, as you said, five touchdowns now in the last five games. And, you know, the first six weeks or so of the season, he really wasn't much of a factor in the offense. He missed some time, missed a game with a concussion, but was just having a hard time incorporating himself into it. Remember, he missed some time in training camp, too, which maybe set him back a little bit. But the last five, six weeks, Bart, I mean, Jet fans got to be excited for what you're seeing from number eight because he looks like a potential game breaker in the making moving forward. Hey, I mean, he start, he, he's starting to live up to the expectations that were placed upon him from the reports of what we heard in training camp. And I thought coming out, you know, Zach Wilson was trying to figure some things out, you know, forced the ball a lot to Corey Davis. But then, you know, when Corey Davis got hurt, it forced the ball to go to where the defense dictated. And I thought LaFleur has done a good job in being able to put, you know, Elijah Moore in a position to make plays, right, and, and catering to his strengths and allowing him to go horizontally, not so much vertically because um, he's not a big target, but being able to get him a ball on the move where he can use his athleticism to turn up or make people try and beat him to the, to the sideline and turn it up. And, you know, also giving him the ball in reverses and, and using his unique athleticism and ability to make guys miss in space and also, you know, when he's running horizontally, it allows him to use, you know, his God-given ability and his short area quickness. Speaking of Zach Wilson, let's hear from the Jets quarterback. This was after the game against the Eagles on Sunday. He caught up with our play-by-play man, Bob Wischusen. Uh, Zach, great start. Three touchdowns to start the game for your offense. What do you think needed to happen to continue that rhythm as the game went on? Uh, we just got to keep executing, you know, just hitting that reset button every single play. Um, you know, I thought it was – uh, a cool, you know, not really good situation, you know, of, of not being on the field pretty much the whole third quarter. You know, we got three plays in and, you know, we we got to grow as a team as far as just understanding that when that happens, how can we how can we come out and execute and, and do well? You know, things were a little shaky from the from the fourth quarter, you know, once we actually finally did get our chance to go back on the field. But um, I thought it was a good challenge for us to be able to take that on, you know, to have to sit on the sideline that long after doing some really good things in the first half. And, um and uh, I think we're just going to get better from it. How about the chemistry with Elijah, as you guys have continued to now have more opportunities to move through this rookie season together? Yeah, it's going to keep getting better and better. You know, there's things, you know, tonight I wish I would have made a better throw onto him or, you know, maybe I saw it a little bit differently, but we're going to keep, you know, working that chemistry. And, you know, eventually uh, it's going to be a pretty dangerous, uh, you know, uh, duel between me and him. And when you think about the guys that you're without, right, Corey is hobbled and obviously Michael Carter and, you know, you're still without Mekhi Becton. I mean, when this offense gets all of its pieces back, what do you think the ceiling is based on how you've developed as the season has gone on? Yeah, I mean, I think we can we can do great things, you know, even right now, you know, with the guys that we had today. Uh, it just comes down to execution, you know, doing all the little things right. And 
uh, we're going to keep learning, getting better from this game. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that is Bob Wachusen with Zach Wilson. Remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app presented by Fubo Sportsbook. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. And Bart, you know, they brought up something interesting there. When you think about Zach's rookie year up until this point, he missed some time. He hasn't had every member of his offensive line healthy while he was in there. Throw in the receivers, who it seems like it's been a revolving door, who's available, who's not there. And now that we just know that Corey Davis is going to be out for the rest of the season, this is something that he's going to have to get used to the final five weeks of the season if he is going to have a strong close to the 2021 campaign. I mean, that's the NFL, right? That's that's what it's always going to be. It's, you play a violent sport, you're going to have different personnel pieces in at certain times. You have to be able to adjust. You have to. That's why it's important for you to do your due diligence and understand what type of player you have in front of them and being able to have that chemistry and say, this guy you know, was really good at this, so I'm going to make sure that I put him in positions to do this and get him the ball exactly where he wants it, how he wants it. You know, some guys might like the ball a little high. Some guys might like it into their stomach. Some guys might like it out in front. You know, so I need to be able to learn, you know, my personnel, no matter who's in there. or know, like, okay, well, I got this lineman, and he's a short setter, right? So, like, he, he, you know, I got to make sure I don't trip over him if I'm going out to, to hand the ball off. It's all about gathering the information and being able to apply it and use it. And I think that's what this year is all about because, you know, one thing is, you know, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in this league. That's what this league is all about. You look at all the great quarterbacks, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tom Brady, everybody's had guys in and out of the lineup. You know, we would all think that we can go to war with the guys that we practice with all the time, but it's always going to be, for the most part, some type of combination of, of a different personnel groupings as other people are, are trying to either come back from injury or trying to figure things out or uh, other players ascend. You have to be able to adjust, adjust to the adjustment. No doubt about it. Jets have five more opportunities to adjust here this season. When we come back here on Inside the Jets, we're going to be joined by a member of that defense. Linebacker Quincy Williams joins us right here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back into Inside the Jets. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. It's time now for our player guest segment brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And we're joined now by Jets linebacker. Had a big day in the tackle department yesterday against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Quincy Williams, who's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes here on the program. Quincy, Dan, and Bart, thanks for joining us today. How are you? What's good? What's good? Good to be here. All right. Well, you've been a tackle machine of late. That's a good thing and a bad thing at sometimes. You know, how are you guys trying to work to make sure that you can get off on third down and try and, you know, plug some of these holes in the run defense? Uh, the main thing is being consistent. And uh, when we get in the same calls and stuff, uh, I mean, the same runs is just actually fixing it on the field in the same series instead of wait till we get to the sideline and try to fix it just fixing it as a team or uh just the players really i mean listen you remind me of so much of myself bobby boucher you don't mind knocking yourself out you know at one time you may not realize this i had a 22 inch neck as well so i know what that's all about <laughs> you know but you know is it is it just that you know because you come from a place where you know, you got here midseason, you got an opportunity, so now you're playing with your hair on fire because you see an opportunity for you to be a long-term solution and, and and how excited to be able to kind of walk this journey with your brother at the same time. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity. The main thing that I get from this is uh, it's a second chance. So when I first got in the league, I really didn't know much about the position, and I was kind of through in the fire playing linebacker at the uh, – 
in Jacksonville. So now that I get to play behind, they had great players there also with Miles Jack. But now that I get to play behind CJ Mosley, I got a chance to play behind JD and actually learn how to be a pro and prepare myself. And when I got to the Jets, the biggest thing was preparation. So now instead of using my God-given ability all the time, I have a chance to actually know what I'm doing and I prepare so now I can see stuff faster. You know, Bart, as he mentioned there, you know, the way that you play, your style of play, you know, you're all over the place, that infectious type of mentality out there. Do you hope, Quincy, that that kind of like rubs off on some of your teammates, the fact that you play with so much aggressiveness and enthusiasm out there? Yeah, I, that's my biggest thing, well, especially with my big hits. People always wonder, like, you know, you make a lot of tackles, but me, I don't call them tackle, I call them hits. So uh, I like people to feel me, and most of the time I talk with talk with my pads, really. I'm not really a hoorah type person. I don't really give any uh, motivational speeches before the game. I was just telling them to meet me at the ball because they know for a fact I'm going to be there first. And then it's like a competition when we get there, especially with me and CJ. After the games, we look and be like, how many tackles you had? And uh, the main thing, uh, we always go back and talk about, like, all right, how many missed tackles you had? Because those were more important than the actual tackles that we get. How big of an influence has CJ been on you since you've been here, given the fact that you're both linebackers? We know your brother's here, but what's it like playing alongside a veteran like CJ? Um, number one thing, he's where I want to be at. He's a pro bowler. So that's the huge thing, and that's where I want to be. So with him and JD, they actually taught me how to be a pro on the field and off the field, whether that's coming in for extra meetings when uh, everyone else is on their off day, or coming in for extra treatment, even though something's not nagging, you're just going in, getting a routine. That's the biggest thing. So um, just jotting down everything, how I go through my, how to go through my week to prepare. And then right after the game, what do you do to prepare for the next game? So I actually learned it from CJ. Now you talk about measuring yourself and measuring your growth. You know, in a couple of weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to go against teams that you've already went against. You know, how do you kind of assess being able to learn the game within the game and how to like, how do you embrace that challenge and how do you learn how to kind of adjust to the style of play and, and understanding not just what the concept of what they're doing, but how certain players are put in position to do certain things, kind of your own self scouting report or list of, of tips and reminders of what certain players do in certain formations. So the number one thing is actually self-scouting myself. So as far as like what plays did they hit me on or what plays went big for me, what plays were targeted towards me. And uh, we do that as a defense together. So like these are the plays we got the first week. And so how can we play these better? That's the biggest thing. So learning from our mistakes and not letting them hit us again. And then after that, um, we come up with a wonderful game plan and we just put trust in our coaches as our coaches put trust in us to go out in the field to execute it. You know, talking about scouting, for example, you know, the quarterback that you guys faced yesterday, Gardner Minshew, he was a teammate of yours. A couple of years there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The quarterback that you saw yesterday, how was he any different than the guy that you played with when you were both Jaguars? Um, when we were both Jaguars, I called him the magic man just because I knew for a fact he was going to um, make something out of nothing. So coming in, we game plan for Jalen Hurt. Well, we game plan for the Eagles, period, because I know a lot of people be like, you game plan for a certain quarterback. No, we game plan for the whole team. So the game plan coming in was saying Jalen Hurt is going to come in. Um, he's going to look for his first couple of keys. Then he's going to take off running. And then when we got the news that Minshew was uh, actually starting, 
And uh, it was later that night, uh, we got the news that Minshew was actually starting. It came to a point where everybody was like, all right, we won't have to worry about being more a lot more mobile than anything. So I had to remind people like, hey, he can still do all the same things Jalen does. But the number one thing he's going to do, he's going to scramble around and he's going to look deep for the actual pass. So it was more of a plaster situation now. So and then come Sunday, we actually got those got those same things, same reps with him looking downfield and making something out of nothing. That's why I call him the magic man. Talking with Quincy Williams here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Just from watching the game yesterday, we were talking about it. You know, it, it seemed like you guys, from as a defense, were in a lot more nickel yesterday than you had been. Is, is, is that true? You played a lot of nickel yesterday? Yeah, we played a lot more nickel. Like I said, um, really on the sideline, they called the players. I'm, I, I just could get it, execute the plays. So whatever they seen on the sideline, far as like 13 personnel that they was throwing more out of it or something like that. I trust my coaches. They say we're going in and playing more nickel. I said, okay, bet. And then just the main thing was executing the play. We got a lot of unscouted looks. That was the main thing. And so now it's just fixing them on the fly. So uh, as far as the defense, we didn't play our best ball. The main thing was getting off on third down, actually getting them to third down. And that's uh, as a team collectively. Um, I mean, not a team, but as a defense collectively. But we got in today, talked about um, talked about a lot of run fits and stuff like that, just making sure everybody's on the same page. And I have trust that we can get those things fixed, really. Why do you think that this scheme fits you so well, your abilities, your talents? Why do you think that it's such a natural fit that this defense that you're playing in right here with the Jets? Um, first of all, I want to say it's not really the defense. It's just the people around me. First of all, my coaches who brought me in and the GM who brought me in, trust me. So that was the biggest thing, just coming in saying, like, you know, we brought you here for a reason. So actually telling me my reason why they brought me here. And then uh, after that, giving me to a wonderful coaches who instilled in me that the way I become a good player um, is the preparation. So that's the main thing. So all this stuff that I have now, my Ben had, but now it's like, how do you – execute the plays that we're given. So it's not really the scheme that fits me. It's more like how good did I prepare for that team and how good did I prepare throughout the week with the coaches and stuff like that. So just holding me accountable. And then on top of that, I got players next to me, like CJ and JD, who actually played in the lead a lot longer. So they actually showed me like how to prepare for stuff like that. And then we watch film together and they'd be like, what do you see right here? Or I ask them, what do they see right there? And then, so that helps me out on game day, which makes me play a lot faster. And then I just let my superpowers take over and run the hit, and I can do that easily. The superpowers working so far so good here. Quincy, hang tight. We got more with you coming up next here. Quincy Williams, our conversation with him when we return on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, continuing our player segment brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasa chatting with Jet linebacker Quincy Williams. Yesterday was a special day at the stadium too, Quincy, and, you know, around the league, the My Cause, My Cleats program. You and your brother both honoring your late mother who passed away due to cancer. You know, tell me what that kind of has meant to you and, you know, the token that you guys went out there and kind of honored her memory with with your cleats. So the biggest thing for us uh, when I first got into the league is how can I help the people around me off the field? So we partnered with the American Cancer Society for, I can speak for myself, I partnered with the American Cancer Society to not, I mean, also to find a cure, but the main thing I wanted to do was to help the family members 
of the person who's going through cancer. So the biggest thing with me when I was younger, I didn't have anyone to actually like cope me through everything. And I felt like I was the one to blame for everything with my mom, like feeling sad and all that kind of stuff when she was actually going through cancer. So uh, when I partnered with the American Cancer Society, I wanted to target breast cancer and actually the families and stuff who's going through it, just letting them know like, hey, you're not the only one going through it. There are other families out here. And the important thing that you can do is just keep that person that's going actually going through the cancer happy and make it every single day meaningful to them, whether that's playing video games, playing games, whether that's uh, my biggest thing is jokes, uh, like funny movies and stuff, quotes and stuff like that. And uh, Quinn is a big singer, so uh, he used to sing a few <laughs> songs, sing a few of her favorite songs and stuff, and just really keep keeping a smile on that person's face really so uh i wanted to target the actual counseling part of it of the family members who's going through it i didn't know that quinnon was a big singer we're gonna have to talk to him about that see hey you opened up the can of worms right there quincy you know what i'm saying so next time we talk to quinnon we're gonna have to get on him about the singing here a little bit so who's got who's got the better singing chops though you or him uh, he's better with singing, but so right now we got a competition coming on, coming along, and like the next off day, it's probably gonna be next week sometime. We act gonna have a cook off. So uh, right now, it's, if culinary school had a football team, I would for sure went to culinary school, but they didn't, so I had to put that on the back burner. But uh, so that's, the, right, so we that's gotta, what we're doing right now. We got to get into the cooking thing now, though, a little bit because like generally, like for just from talking to the guys the last couple of years on the team. To my understanding, Ty Johnson is like the master chef. Like the, the guy oh, can cook sure. like Hands really, down. really well. Yeah. Okay. So, so you guys know that in the in the locker room there. What about yourself? Now, how skilled of a person are you in the kitchen when it comes to your culinary prowess here? So me, I'm more like uh, everyday type things. So uh, just making them unique, really. So like putting my own twist on things. Ty, on the other hand, he can. He can, he's one of those people that be on the show that be like, all right, this is what you got to cook with. Make a dish. And he come out of nowhere. Me, I got to know exactly what's in front of me. I got to know what ingredients I got. And then I'm going to make something out of that. Ty, he can go into the grocery store and they be like, you got $4 to make a – not $4. You probably got like uh, $6 to make a meal, $50 to make a meal, and he going to make a meal out of that. <laughs> he could open up his own restaurant one day with all that stuff there. No, but oh, that's for good. Sure. That and, I'll invest in it for real. No, uh, there you go. Now, do you guys like trade off any recipes or anything like that? Like, is that part of the conversation at all? No. Nah, so most of the time, he'd be like, uh, "So for Thanksgiving, actually, he was like, don't nobody move, don't nobody touch anything till he make the mac and cheese when he get home, uh, something <laughs> like that." So we all got it. Uh, he invited us over after his family and stuff left. We got a chance to try everything, and it was wonderful. Uh, my grandma is the one that be holding down the recipes, though. So she got Ooh. this triple layer peach cobbler, and I've been wanting it, but she only make it certain times, so it's only like special occasions, and um, it would just be like, I don't know what is it though, like it's just something about it. I didn't try to look it up online, try to like take little bites and find out what I taste or something like that. Still ain't got it. <laughs> well, you got to ask her. You, you got to ask her to maybe make it for the holidays. We got the holidays coming up here in a few weeks. You know, you close out, but it's still football season though, so you can't go too crazy because you still have to make weight and all those things, right? No, no, I got a, I got a very important mission the next day at the, uh, next day at the Christmas anyway. 
Uh, it's true. It's called the, what, Jacksonville Jaguars against your former team. You're going to be looking for that <laughs> one for sure. You know, you, obviously you've had a chance to play this year to show your skills. You've made a contribution. You've really done some good things. You put some good stuff on tape there. Personally, though, and everybody says, you know, we're our own worst critics. How do you feel that you've grown this year and developed as a player? Um, the biggest thing is off the field, actually developing myself as a pro as far as like the biggest thing. Um, I had a few injuries my past couple of years. This year, I've been gracious not to have many injuries or minor injuries. So I feel like off the field, just actually getting a routine that I um, CJ actually put me on. I actually took one of his routines that he was doing or whatever and kind of like tweaked it. So that's another thing that I learned. And actually, that's the biggest thing. And the nutrition wise, my brother wife is number one at that. So she's been helping me out. <laughs> <laughs> so she cooks every night and stuff like that. Uh, make sure I get a plate. Um, so nutrition. But you said wonderful. you got roast today, though, right? You said you got a roast waiting for oh, you. Oh, I'm today. eating good tonight. We off tomorrow. I'm eating good tonight. <laughs> roast <laughs> potatoes. But um, another thing on the field, as far as uh, getting to display my superpowers that's running and hitting and actually doing it to the best of my ability to help my team and not feeling like I got to make all the plays, is actually playing in the scheme of the defense. So that's the biggest thing. Five more games left this season, okay? That's still a lot of football left, and it doesn't matter, you know, how out of reach the postseason might be or whatever. How are you attacking these last five weeks still remaining? Um, the main thing is taking them personal. So um, owning what I put on field, that's the biggest thing we talked about today. And uh, it's a lot of people that do a lot of hoorah, this is what I'm going to do, this is the type of person I am. But now you get to actually put it on film, and I got five more weeks to put what I want everybody else to see However, I want at the end of the season, I want people to tell me how they feel like what type of player I am. That's my biggest thing. So I never go in and talk about like when I first got here, I never told anyone I'm a big hitter or I run fast to the ball. I like for other players to say that or my coaches to say like he's a big hitter or something like that. So that's my biggest thing. I don't like to toot my own horn. So with these next five weeks, um, it's a it's a proven thing. So I, I had a good first half of the season. Um, came out with, I had a concussion, so I had a chance to step back from everything and actually learn from JD when he got a chance to start on how did he develop as a pro and then uh, came back into the starting role. So now I'm applying everything and on his back end, it's just proving that it's the reason why I'm here and it's, I should be a starter in this league every year. Now, you, you, know, no you talk about hit hair, sometimes that's, that becomes a scarlet letter in your calling card. But, you know, you get your money by getting turnovers. So how are you trying to make your understanding biggest growth of understanding route combinations, understanding holes and zones? And also, you know, the trend now is punching these balls out. So as you're there, you're trying to make the big hit. Sometimes you have to, you know, to, you have to decide, make that decision. Do I blow them up or do I try and punch this ball out? Like what's the, what's next in your development? Is that bigger for you to get the turnover as far as punching the ball out or yeah. understanding route combinations and, and formations? So I actually had this cover, uh, conversation with my linebacker coach today. Actually, that's what made me smile about it. Um, just him coming to talk to me about taking my game a step further because uh, every player knows for a fact if I'm coming, I'm coming to get the big hit. So now it's more like uh, how can you switch it up? Like 
uh, that split second where the ball's being thrown and you get to the person right on time, could you make a split second chance and just go for the ball at that time or like go for a pass breakup so it won't be a, a catch and tackle type thing? And then um, so now developing like far as at practice and stuff like that is actually developing that uh, game in me because at first I was one of those players where I'm going to hit you hard enough so the ball come out. And uh, I'm leading the team in Forest Farmers right now doing that. So now it's taking a step further saying, like, all right, you know you're coming in for the tackle. Like, when they're curling up for the tackle, punch the ball out. So just actually practicing that at practice so then I can take it to the game because I can't try – me, I'm the type of person, I'm not going to try anything in the game that I haven't practiced. No doubt about that. Well, next one up is the New Orleans Saints. Four more after that. Quincy, keep up the great play on the field, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes joining us. And go enjoy that roast tonight, too, all right? <laughs> all right, thanks. <laughs> all right, that's Quincy Williams joining us here on Inside the Jets. A lot more to do. We're presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. We thank Quincy Williams for joining us this week. And Inside the Jets is brought to you also by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code GREEN for a special offer when you sign up. It's only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Real quick, Bart, before we go around the league here, one piece of housekeeping news we got to get to here for the team. We talked about Alex Kessman and his kicking debut yesterday didn't go according to plan, so the Jets have made a change here. Eddie Pinheiro, who once upon a time kicked for the Chicago Bears a couple of years ago, he will be the new place kicker for the New York Jets. So three kickers in as many weeks when they take on the Saints at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, you, you heard him. You heard Solid yesterday. He said he's going to keep, you know, signing kickers if they find one that works. And, you know, you know, one man trash another man's treasure. So maybe this guy can come in and and have an opportunity to be the long term solution. I mean, we look at Nick Folk and you know who got let go from Dallas and came here, got let go from here, was kicking in a different league, and now he's become like the main guy for 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 the Patriots. So. You know, you know, we hear those type of stories and kind of makes you miss Myers that, that you cut a couple of years ago that had a great, great season. And sometimes you got to you got a, a good kicker in your in your um, system. You got to hold on to him because, you know, they're worth their weight and go. It's the nature of the beast, though, right? With these kickers, it's like they're all journeymen in some cases. You're just moving on from place to place to place. And hopefully you find unless a landing spot with one of them. Yeah, unless you're Justin Tucker, then, you know, you, you never have to go anywhere. Yeah, Joel, because you're going to your next place he's going is Canton, Ohio. That's why he's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame when it's all said and done here. A uh, lot of good stuff that happened yesterday around the league in the National Football League. And I'll tell you, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got nine lives. You know, you can't bury them yet because they hung on for dear life against Baltimore yesterday. First off, did you think that John Harbaugh made the right call going for two there to try to win the game at the end? Well, nobody had the information that Harbaugh had, the fact that he knew that that Marlon Humphreys was done. They're already on their backup to the backup, and Pittsburgh Steelers was gaining momentum. So his best chance to win the game, he felt, was right there. You know, with a great play, just, you know, T.J. Watt came out and made the pass difficult. Lamar Jackson tried to side on it. Armour couldn't couldn't really get the ball over the top where, you know, Andrews can make a, a run and catch play so he can turn up and fall into the end zone, you know, at 6'5", 260. And, you know, when Harbaugh explained it, that they ran out of bodies, they had no more healthy corners, what do you expect them to do? You got a chance to win with one of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the league. He marched you all the way down there. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers on their heels. 
And so I can live with it now that I know what the um, circumstances were. Yeah, a little bit better. I think at the moment, though, you're just so caught up in the game. You don't know about those other extenuating circumstances, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, I got no problem with it going to try to win the game. I mean, he knows his team and, and, and as all coaches, right? I mean, we in the media, fans, whatnot, you know, we're just watching the game from afar. But these coaches, they know their team better than anybody else does. So you think that that has to factor in to some of the decisions that are happening in the field of battle right there, and especially with a game on the line like that. So I got no problem with it. No, absolutely. But, you know, you look up at what, what the Washington football team was able to do. You look at the Lions being able to get a last-second victory. What Minnesota was doing, I have no idea. You know, playing with your heels in the end zone for the last play of the game, if they catch it in the end zone, even if you tackle them, you lose. It's a touchdown. You know, that was one of the most uncontested game winners that I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, that, that puts a lot of, you know, Zimmer's future in, in jeopardy. You look at, you know, the Cardinals coming back, looking like the, the most sure thing in in, in football period seems yep. to be Tyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, looks like they're poised to really make some noise. Disappointed in the fact that, you know, the uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, couldn't pull it off, you know, not only because I wanted them to be able to, to win and, and, and bury uh, Seattle, but also, you know, our draft pick. You know, I wanted that draft pick to kind of move up. Um but um, Seattle kind of shows some resolve. This is a team that always kind of they built similar to each other, both physical teams. Um, San Francisco has been better of late. Uh, not even better of late because even though they went to a Super Bowl, you know, every year outside of this year, you know, Seattle was right there for the, for the making of it. But it's an intense rivalry that started with, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh and yep. then went. Pete Curl, and you think about, you know, the Patrick Willis's and Navarro Bowman's, and you think about the Legion of Boom. And then it looked like when Shanahan and Lynch came together, then they went to the Super Bowl. They became the physical team with Foster and 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 Bosa and D Ford. And now it's kind of evened up, right? And, and and right now, what I really love about it coming down to the stretch, you know, five games ago, capped off this week with um, Bills and Patriots for supremacy, and also really for the number one spot as the Baltimore Ravens because they lost, lose that number one spot right now. It's the Patriots to lose and they're going to Orchard Park in, in crazy environments, in climate weather, everything football is supposed to be in December. We I mean, are supposed to be about the tough guys and we're going to see which team is tough tonight. No doubt about it. And, and you know, there, there really is like a discrepancy between the AFC and the NFC. Like you talked about Washington, like Washington was in a playoff spot, is in a playoff spot and they go on the road and they beat the Raiders yesterday. Team like San Francisco hanging around, but you know, the eye test, when I watch Washington play, for example, I don't think necessarily I'm looking at a playoff team. You know what I mean? That, that, that's just me. Yeah. AFC, you got a lot more teams that are in that deep end of the pool a little bit that are at least, you know, more playoff worthy to the naked eye. I, you know what I mean? I, I think the AFC is a lot meatier than what the NFC is. Yeah, I think you can talk about the top heavy like guys that you think can really win the Super Bowl. You look at Green Bay, you look at Tampa, you look at the Cardinals. Like, oh, man, I, if any one of those win the Super Bowl, you wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, a drop off. Yeah, a lot of – but then on the AFC side, it's a lot of parity, but it's not it's not as strong as the top end. I mean, we thought the Ravens were the best team in the AFC. They had the best record. They were heavily flawed, you know, skating the body by the skin of their ch uh, chinny chin chin, uh, being able to just kind of eke out wins like they tried to eke out last week. And every time we want to crown the, the Bills, you know, they lose to Jacksonville and – the only team that hasn't faltered is the Patriots, but they struggled early in the year. They couldn't win a game at home, and they've had some good fortune of not playing a lot of good quality teams that were healthy. This would be the first game where they're playing somebody that they have everybody. They played 
the Titans would without Julio Jones and AJ Brown. They play uh, Cleveland without you know the right tackle and without Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. You know they they so they it's not always who you play is when you play them and you know we're going to see if the Patriots are for real. But you know this is the type of, the Patriots are the type of team that will give Buffalo uh, issue because they run the ball and they're physical at the line of uh, the the um, in the trenches. And we're going to see if the Bills can exercise some demons, right? Because they've been beat up by physical teams like Tennessee, like the Colts. Um, and they, they're going to see if they, they're going to get a heavy dose of it. Let's see how they respond. It should be an interesting, nope. great game tonight. No, you're right about that here. And, you know, how about another team in Kansas City? Last night, they get another win. Wasn't maybe overly impressive. And that's the thing about Kansas City. Like, the last four or five weeks, They've won games, you know, so they're headed in the right direction. They've kind of gotten over that little speed bump they had there in the middle of the season. But I don't know. I'm still not convinced that they're back to being their old ways here. I know they've kicked it up a little bit defensively, which is encouraging to see. But, yes, you take the wins. But am I going to sit here and say, oh, they're the Chiefs of old yet? I I don't think I can just yet. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why you have to love the parity in the AFC. You wouldn't be surprised if any team comes out on top. In the NFC, you kind of think, okay, you have three guys and teams that can maybe be spoilers or teams like the Dallas Cowboys, if they can put it all together. They, they're they going to be a team that's going to host or have to travel to Green Bay, travel to Tampa. You know, and like the team, they're, they're the teams that would be surprising if they play spoiler. And you have to incorporate the, um, the Rams in that as well because they went from being front runners to maybe being spoilers or, or, or good surprises as those other three teams look more complete. You know, and lastly here, let's close up uh, about a minute or so we have left in the show. Let's give a little look ahead to the Jets next one on Sunday. Another home game against the New Orleans Saints and a Saints team, which has hit the skids of late. They're going through a little bit of an identity crisis with their offense because since Jameis Winston's gone down, they haven't won a game. They tried Trevor Simeon. Now Taysom Hill is at the quarterback position. You know, he's not a conventional quarterback. This defense is going to be out on their toes a little bit here, Bart, because this is not a prototypical quarterback that they're going to get a look at on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he had 200 yards passing, but had 100 yards rushing. So now you talk about playing man-to-man, he'll take off on you, and they're going to have desired runs for him. But also on the other side, the standard that remains the same is that great Saints defense. So, you know, you talk about tough sledding there, and, you know, they can sometimes their best offense can be the Saints defense as they're really tough. They, they, they've already gone and beat the Buccaneers. They have good wins against the, the – the, um, the Patriots, but you know, this is a defense that's going to show up and show out. They're physical, they're talented, and they're deep. Led by one of our former old uh, Jet friends here in Demario Davis doing a nice job there. Bart, great job as always, my friend. We'll do it again next week and uh, enjoy the game. Look forward to it. All right. He's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. Thanks for joining us once again for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. So long, everybody.